People, 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 good morning, good morning, good morning. You know who it is, man. Arsenio Buck reported live from Huaxin, Thailand. You guys are like, well, where the hell is that? That's about two hours southwest of Bangkok. I did my dues here. Boy, I met someone. Boy, that was a very, very eye-opening experience last night. Uh, I will talk to you guys about that on my next podcast. I'll talk to you guys about that, as a matter of fact, on tomorrow's Ramble of Positivity. Now, I do have podcast interviews coming up real soon, so stay tuned for that as early as this upcoming Thursday. So, you guys just, yeah, man, there's a lot to talk about. There are a lot of things. I just need to go on a ramble, but I don't want to do that right now because this is the end of the aggressive mask. Guys, just before breakfast, I said, man, I need to hurry up and do something. Also, I have a Q&A coming on probably within three hours. I want to post two today because I got an excellent question from one of my Japanese friends and my one of my proud listeners. So I'm going to tackle that today. And big shout out to whoever it is in Benghazi, Libya. <laughs> I would have never thought in a million years that anyone from Benghazi would be listening to me, but... We are all family. You have joined the party. Welcome to the tribe. And you better stay on here. Not like my Panamanians who just come and go all the damn time. Anyways, with that being said, man, I'm trying to keep it low right now because I think these walls, yeah, these walls are a little bit thin. So, um, yeah, I'm actually at a desk right now in the hotel. Sunrise over here. Ocean right over here to the, you know, the southwest of me. Uh, and, you know, this is actually a pretty nice place. But I don't even want to talk about that right now. I need to focus. So, the aggressive mask, guys. Part four. What can you do right now? So, in a conversation that Lewis Hose was uh, having with Ray Lewis. Lewis Hose asked him. He said, what do you think the definition of a man is? You know? And whether it had evolved as he got older. Had his kids, became successful, and, you know, ultimately leading to his retirement after the last Vince Lombardi trophy in, of course, February of 2013. And Ray Lewis is talking about, he said he was 33 years old, and he re-engaged with his long-absent father, his father that left him, obviously, when he was a kid. And that ultimately led to the abuse of a lot of a couple of stepfathers or maybe just one stepfather, him always beating his mother. I just don't understand, man. Oh, stepfathers. Anyways, um, and his father wanted him to meet a man named Shady Ray Whitehead, who lived in some little trailer, you know, six hours outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, right? So he had no idea where they were, you know, they were going to, why they were visiting, etc., etc. And his father ended up saying, Ray Lewis, meet your grandfather. And so Ray sat on the floor while his dad sat on the couch. And they talked. One of the first things out of, out of, of course, his father's mouth was a question to his grandfather. They had also run through Ray's head nearly 17 years earlier in his life. And Ray's father asked his grandfather, Dad, why did you leave me? And Ray Lewis looked to his, gran- his father and said, Your grandfather left you too? Which ultimately led to the, you know, Ray Lewis's father leaving, you know, leaving him. Can you imagine that? Like, seriously, think about this. Ray Lewis's father left him when he was young. And guess what? Ray Lewis's grandfather left his father also when he was young, too. So Ray had to sit with this information for a while. He was like, he was listening to his father. He was listening to the grandfather. 
And it was amazing because, you know, he just Ray Lewis looked at it as a curse. Could have been a generational curse because Ray Lewis, 21. You know what? No, Ray Lewis's son is 21. Ray Lewis is 41. His father is 61. His grandfather is 81. His great great grandfather is what? 101. So it's kind of like, oh, my God, that's that it's it's really five generations of literally parents leaving, you know, their sons and whatnot. So 20 years apart. And and, and he had to ask himself, he's like, what are we doing? He rode back home with his father and for six hours, his father spoke. And you know what? Ray Lewis never said a word. And when he got done listening to him, he said, you know what, father? Do you know what a man is? A man accepts all of the wrongs, never complains, forgives, and then moves on. That's what a man does. Because you can never replace him not being to, you know, you know, not being at a football game. Um, you can never replace, you, you know, him not being at that wrestling match in the state championship, which Ray Lewis was in his junior year of high school. You can never replace him of not being at a track meet. I remember the first track meet that I had in my senior year of high school. You know who was there? Alfred. Alfred Bernard Travis, the one that I considered to be my father, the one that came into my life at such a pivotal moment to teach me some of the most gr- the greatest lessons of any man. The man who dropped me off at the airport when I went to Australia and moved there on a working holiday visa, the same man that I saw a day before and had my last drink and my last supper with. No, actually, my second to last supper with. And we were at the bar, and he said, Arsenio, I need you to go out there to Thailand and do all you can. Two years after we had that meal at Silver Nugget in North Las Vegas, that's the same man. That was always there with me. But you know what? I mean, my dad never came back around. He never came back around. He never said, hey, you know what? I'm so sorry about this. I'm so sorry about that. But you know what? From this point forward, can we develop a relationship? And so Ray Lewis went on to say at the very end, he said, this is our work to do. The rewards are indeed waiting for us. But they will not make themselves known. Until we begin the process of dropping our aggressive mask. And so, of course, I told you guys about the story of my father dropping me off. Man, I just heard something really weird coming out of the room. And I know there's no one on the left side of me. So I don't know if there's someone on the right side of me and they're probably angry. Anyways, wake up. Okay, so here we go. My father, in 1999, he dropped my brother, dropped off my brother and my sister's including me, off at a doorstep. And he said, go knock on the door. Your mother is there. And so we knocked on the door. This lady came to the door. And I remember looking back and my father was gone. And of course, my mother was living there. And that lady who opened the door, Mrs. Wesley, she is still uh, a nurse. She's a nurse at Rancho High School. and She has been for so many years. And that was the lady, a family friend who accepted us, needed to accept us. Until, of course, that led to, you know, so many other places that we had to hop to, you know, during the summer months of 1999 and whatnot. But, you know, there was one time, you know, we got settled in and then in 2000, probably around April or May. Well, it had to be about March or April. Um, I remember seeing a man. I was at the park and I remember seeing a man walk down the street. And I was like, who is that? And I said, that looks just like my father. And you know what? Probably about 20 minutes later after playing football. It was indeed my father. 
And I went inside and my mom was fuming. And I never really understood why my mom was so angry and just so, just, just, just filled with animosity towards, you know, my father and whatnot. But then I knew because my father would just go there and just wanted to act like everything was okay. After you dropped us off at a doorstep a year before, I didn't even understand the magnitude of that. I was just 11 years old. But when he did that, I just felt like, oh, you know, okay, here we go. My father, you know, oh, my father's back and this, this and that. And he came back into our lives for about three months. And you know what? The biggest lie I ever caught my father in, which ultimately led to the destroying of our relationship was I wrote down a list of games. He told me to wrote, uh, write down a list of games that we wanted. And so I told him and I wrote it down. Metal Gear Solid 2. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Command and Conquer Tiberian Launch. If some of you game enthusiasts out there are listening to me, you guys probably know what I'm talking about. And the, mo- the, the most amazing thing was that we were talking on the phone. My mom, you know, you can actually pick up the phone, you know, a cordless phone and whatnot. Um, and you can listen to the conversation on the other line. This was back in 2000, of course. And so my mom picked up the phone and he was saying, and you know what? I heard games. It sounded like games on the other line. And there were three of them. And he got one of my favorite games. Uh, what is it? Uh, Command and Conquer Tiberian Launch. And I jumped up in excitement. And I remember I went upstairs and I talked to my mom. And she's like, I don't know why you're happy. He didn't buy you those games. That's all a lie. And I was like, mom, you don't, you haven't done anything for us. And she was like, ain't this a shit? Ain't this some shit? And I remember her boyfriend at the time, Billy, who was another remarkable guy. I don't know. I remember leaving, going downstairs, and he came downstairs. He's like, your mother is crying right now because of what you said to her. You need to go apologize. She said, he said, man, she has taken you in, the four of you. She is raising you all by herself. What has your father done? And I cried. And I went back upstairs, and I cried, saying, Mom, I'm so sorry, and whatnot. And we went out to go have a Sonic. It's like this burger thing. And we went out to have some family time and whatnot. And you know what? My father was lying. Pretty amazing, huh? I mean, and this is when I knew. This is when I knew. He was like one of those, I don't know, how do you call it? But someone who just persistently lies all the time. And... You know what? I think that's probably when the anger started building up in me. I don't know. I don't know. But luckily, I was able to get that out in a way where it was just me versus me. Track and field. It was my mind versus my mind. And so going into it, guys, we've gone over so many different things in terms of, you know, what you can do in terms of removing the mask and whatnot. I got lucky. But my brother didn't get lucky. This is what ultimately led to another Q&A that I'm actually going to answer uh, very, very soon, uh, which is probably going to debut in about three hours or whatnot, because I believe my brother was never able to remove that mask. Because throughout that childhood, my brother, he was like he was almost he almost won the state championship in chess. He was one of the best snare drummers ever. Um, He's done amazing things. But at the age of 32, he could have created video games. He could have created a website and so many other things, his own drumsticks and this and that. He could have became a full-time entrepreneur and charged so many different schools around the United States of America for his services. This man, by the name of Stephen Buck, you could look up his YouTube video with some of the most insane solos of all time. But he is just so angry and so full of himself and he just does not accept constructive criticism. And I believe that he wasn't able to do that. Because he didn't have an outlet with sports. I truly believe that. Because you know what? 
I developed a lot of anger in the some uh, what is it in the latter months of 2003 leading into 2004, and my mom started questioning herself. She's like, "Is something wrong with my child?" And then there was that one specific individual during Earth Science class that specific afternoon that said, "Hey, do you still want to run track and field?" And I said, "Of course." He said, "Let's go meet Coach Meyer." Went in there, met him. Went out there for track and field tryouts, and I was able to relieve all of that pain through myself, but not through physical, you know, inflicting physical pain on someone else, but through myself. You know, when I failed at the 2005 Sunrise Regional Championships and fell to my knees, it was all because of me. And that was the greatest failure of my life because since then, I've completed three Tough Mudders. Uh, what is it? Two Spartan races. And this year, I'm going to be going for a massive, massive trifecta. And I ultimately want to do an Ultra Beast, which is insane. But yeah, I'm just telling you guys what you, through sports, if it's an individual thing rather than, you know, inflicting pain on someone else, that I, I'm, I'm 100% for that. But a lot of people, they inflict pain on other people. If you look at the Thomas Hearns, the, the Mike Tyson. You know, all that pain he would inflict and all those problems he had as a child. Look what ultimately ended up happening in the 90s. And I don't want to repeat it because it's, I mean, it's complete disrespect. But some people are never able to get over it. So a man who struggles with aggression needs. Let's get into this now. For those of you who are listening right now, for those of you who believe that you know someone who's struggling right now. This is what you could do. You need to create a wrecking room in your house. A wrecking room. Okay? Not inflicting anything on anyone else and on any other human being. But create a wrecking room where you can get it out safely. Okay? Fill it with things that you can smash, push, hit, pummel, whatever. If you can't get a room, use a pillow. Beat the heck out of it. But don't beat the heck out of a person. Beat the heck out of it. Now, this is what Lewis Hose puts in his book. But honestly, I believe that you need to confront everything in your past. Okay. Now, Lewis Hose, he talks about, you know, do cathartic shouting. I saw this in one of Elliot Hulse's books. He would lay on a bed and he would just scream as much as he can and hit it. It is kind of crazy. But you're able to get all of that aggression out. Take a boxing class, work out, swim, run. See, that bo- a boxing class, not joining boxing. And that's the best part because, boy, after – I remember there was a day that I got into a screaming war with this this guy in public transportation. And there was a big scene and all these students were watching and stuff like that. He held up traffic and everything. And then I went to the gym and then there was this university student who was screaming over this other – this guy and I who we were trying to speak in the locker room. This university student was screaming over us. So I remember I went to the boxing bag and these Thai people were looking at me crazy because I was given massive – blows it was just one after another i took all that aggression out because you know what i knew it was going to get worse and then you got to create affirmations guys see in order to get over this type of thing i had my father walk out on me when i was a child as a lot of african americans do and you know what i think i believe that what i was at I just had to, you know, look, I had to look at it this way. Going into 2003, 2004, 2005, and everyone's saying, hey, so what's your father? I'm like, oh, he left us a long time ago. They're like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, and it was the greatest thing I it, that ever happened because I'm blaming him for the greatest success I endure today. 
Because if we're going to blame somebody, you need to blame effectively. Like Tony Robbins says, you need to blame intelligently. Because if you are enduring in and we're endearing in amazing success right now, it's because of what happened in the end. I'm blaming him for the magnificent man I've become today. And what's available after you drop this mask, inner peace, emotional control, responsiveness versus, you know, reactiveness, self-awareness, true strength, strength from within, patience, forgiveness of others. That's one of the most greatest. That's the greatest one right there. Because I've forgiven myself and I've forgiven my father. I don't really give a damn anymore. I rarely think about him. You know what I mean? But this is something that needs, you need to make a list of people who have hurt you, who beat you, who ignored you, who abandoned you, who yelled at you, who degraded you, who rejected you. Write out exactly who they are, what they did to you, and how it made you feel. Let it live on the page instead of on a loop in your head. It's like, you know, Ray Lewis, you know, his uh, highlighted story, of course, in... um, what is it in high school you know getting out all that emotional pain and stuff you know in wrestling and whatnot and then losing in the state championship and coming back and winning it and promising himself that he would win it it, it, he, it just he had so many so much emotion from seeing his mother get beaten all the time and do this and do that like this ray lewis he would see his mom get beaten by his stepfather all the time or i guess you could say her uh, her boyfriend and he would go to the garage and he would do more than 400 push-ups. That's how he took out all that pain, I guess you could say, from his uh, his system and whatnot. And then, of course, women, you need to share your experiences of being hurt with him. If you're actually, if you have a man that's dealing with this type of thing, describe what happened and how it made you feel and what you wanted to do about it. Let the men in your life who are struggling know that there is life after this pain. And that the emotions it brings to the surface are difficult to accept, but possible to deal with. You can turn pain into purpose, but you know what? You're going to have to make the conscious effort to do so. That's the most important part. So, guys, there it is. Those are the four lessons of the aggressive mask. And so, ah. This was, a, this was definitely one of the darkest parts uh, of my stories. And just telling it and reliving it and whatnot. And just being able to sit in a place where I'm actually inspiring students. And I've been able to, you know, I obtained a present for the ex, from the ex-prime minister and got some great words. And got inspired last night and saw these wonderful students and this and that. All these, all these things that have happened over the course of these three days. I was able to relive, I was able to live that experience. And be someone that my father never was. How was that able? How was I able to tran, uh, you know, transition from <clears throat> having such a past, such as what I did, to doing what I'm doing today? I just had to make a conscious effort. So for all men who are suffering from this, <clears throat> oh my God, my voice is all jacked up. You're going to have to make the effort to remove this mask. Because like I said, with all the other masks, if you don't remove it, it will remove you. And with that being said, people, I hope you guys enjoyed this four-part series, man. Stay tuned for the next one, which is the Joker mask. And that's going to debut next Saturday and Sunday. And until then, we got Q&As coming up in about three hours about my brother and a couple other things. There's some, it's an excellent question, too. So until then, people, have a wonderful morning, afternoon, and evening. This is your host, Arsenio, reporting live from Wahine, over and
out.